Good morning. It's good to be able to once again worship with you folks and to be back here in Newcastle. It's been a little while since I've been here, but just grateful for the opportunity to preach God's Word this morning. My wife and I would like to offer this congregation our condolences in the loss of Jim. He was a dear, sweet soul, and uh, we grieve with you. Today we're going to study Psalm 63 together for a few minutes. And so if you want to turn there, or I guess you have it in your bulletin, your program, we can use that as well. I will be preaching from the New American Standard Version. So have you ever wanted something so bad that you would do almost anything to get it? Of course, the old saying is, uh, you know, the old pregnancy and the pickle thing, you know, women will send their husband out late at night to get pickles, that type of thing, to find some satisfaction for their desire. Maybe for you, it's like, I have to have some ice cream and I'll drive all the way to Glenwood to get it, or I want to do, uh, do something to, you know, scratch my itch. You know, we have those things in our lives that we just are willing to do almost anything for to satisfy the needs that we have. And this, this passage, this psalm kind of helps us to think through satisfying the needs that we have in our lives and particularly uh, our souls. When we go through rough times in life, challenges, the grief that we have and the loss of, of Jim as an example, might have many other things. You know, honestly, life is very hard, isn't it? It really is a challenge. And I, I find for myself and I know the other people in my life, my life just really struggle with, with dealing with the issues of this life and the challenges of it. So this passage today that we're going to be looking at kind of gives us a pattern of, of prayer, a pattern of thinking for our lives that help us to satisfy those uh, deepest needs that we have in, in life. So please just follow along as I read. And I'm going to read the superscript as well because it's part of what is going on in this psalm. A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, thou art my God, I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh yearns for thee in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have beheld thee in the sanctuary to see thy power and thy glory. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise thee. So I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember thee on my bed, I meditate on thee in the night watches. For thou hast been my help, and in the shadow of thy wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to thee, thy right hand upholds me, but those who seek my life to destroy it will go down into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes, but the king will rejoice in God. Everyone swears by him will glory, for the mouths of those who who speak lies will be stopped." 
So the history of this psalm, you see in the superscript here that it was when David was in the wilderness of Judah. Now there's two possible uh, circumstances that may be going on here besides being in the wilderness. It was hard enough as it is, but also the fact that it could have been Saul that was chasing after David during this time in this wilderness, but most likely people believe that it was Absalom when Absalom was instigating a revolt against against his father that this was written. I mean, can you imagine with your if your son is coming against you like this, you raise up your son and, and he turns on you, Zach, don't get any ideas. I just remind you of the demise of Absalom. Although you maybe need hair longer like like your brother up here than your hair, but uh, just just keep that in mind. But the question is, you know, who or what are the Absaloms in our lives? I don't want to allegorize this, and it's not an allegory, but I do think it just fits whatever circumstances we deal with in life, the, the challenges that we have. And so this, exam, this is an example for us to look at, to deal with uh, our disturbed souls. So let's go ahead and look into it. The first point that I have really from this is to seek God. You'll notice again in, in verse 1, Thou art my God. I shall seek thee, notice this word here, I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee, my flesh yearns for thee, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. What does it mean to seek God? There's kind of two things that I've thought of, and there are many others I'm sure that you can think of, but I think uh, one of them is to, to know God, to seek to know Him. It, I think of the example of, of a person in just their daily life. Someone wakes up and has devotions. Maybe he has family devotions after that at the table. And then he goes to Sunday school and church and Wednesday evening Bible study. Uh, turns on a Christian podcast in the car on the way to work. Comes home to get ready for a Bible study. There's those kinds of things of seeking God. Personal study. Personal devotion to our God. Now, I want to make this clear that I don't think those kinds of people that seek after God like this are any kind of super Christian. These people are daily Christians, lovers of God, Theophilus, right? Seeking to know Him. When God seekers, when you find them in trouble, you find them seeking God instead of the one, uh, one of the many other ways we try to deal with our stressors. You'll find them on their knees. You'll find them in the Word of God. And we, we tend to do this, don't we? we? Zach, I think, mentioned this last week in his sermon. When we run into trouble, we run into trials, we tend to run towards something else that might satisfy our souls. But that is, as Christians, we find our greatest satisfaction when we, when we run to our God, which might be counterintuitive for us. You know, the, the Heidelberg Catechism says we are still prone always to all evil. So our hearts are always inclined to run away. But when we have this need for, for God and we, we, we want to be satisfied in God, we run to Him, not to something else. So, 
I want to be clear about this because this this part of the of the psalm talks about seeking God and especially in Reformed circles we have this kind of idea against being seeker sensitive. You know, God seeks us, we don't seek Him. But the Bible is full, and I'll show this to you here in a moment. The Bible is full of passages that talk about us seeking God. So we do know that God is the one that puts that on our hearts to seek Him, and I think that's how we should understand that as His people. We do, uh, we are God seekers. I want you to consider some other uh, passages to, to kind of underline this point. In Psalm 9 verse 10 it says, And those who know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, O Lord, hast not forsaken those who seek thee. O Lord, thou, O Lord, hast not forsaken those who seek thee. Psalm 42, that's Psalm 9, verse 10, by the way. Psalm 42, verse 2. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. For if you cry for discernment... I'm sorry, this is Proverbs 2. This next section is Proverbs 2, uh, verses 3 and 4. If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. One thing I've always noticed about that, that, that proverb in, in, in chapter 2 is that it, it talks about seeking her, seeking wisdom as for silver, seeking as for hidden treasure. This is not some idea that we just simply spend five minutes in a devotion in the morning and a prayer and run off and do the rest of our life. This is an active aspect of our being that as Christians we seek after God in such a way like we really believe what we say we really believe. And as it's, it's, you know, we're so used to this, uh, fast food culture, uh, of, we, we, we got, we're gonna go out and get our, our, uh, McDonald's bag of God and run off to our, to our homes. Uh, or we're gonna just do this in the morning as a brief thing. One thing I appreciate about this body here is that you guys take your time on Sunday morning worship. To seek God. And I know that can be a challenge at times because we're used to our Netflix or we're used to some something else that happens that really is more entertaining. But but I, I get the idea here when I come here that you really care about the things of God and you take your time in it, even though it might be a little painful at times. So we seek after God. That's the goal of our, as in our Christian life, when we're struggling, our souls are, are burdened down like David was burdened down in the, in the wilderness of Judea. He, he noticed that the important thing was to, to look to God. The second part of this then is not just to seek knowledge of Him, but to seek his grace. I always notice in the ironic blessing, the benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. When we are not right with God, when his grace and peace is not with us, then we are really in a storm. Think of Jonah when he 
when he ran away, the Lord of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up upon up before me. But Jonah, Jonah rose up to Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord. It's like I was talking about earlier. We flee from the Lord when God calls on us as opposed to fleeing to him. That's kind of our tendency, isn't it? Like I said, prone always to all evil. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have come upon you, in the latter days you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. You hear that grace there, that idea of grace is seeking the compassion of God. The Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which he swore to them. When I preach, I like to think about how does this passage that we're talking about look on the people of God? It's like you're putting on some clothes or something. You know, how do you, how, if you wear this passage throughout the week, what does it look like? And I see where somebody's dealing with health issues. Uh, you might forgive me here, but I, I've noticed that there's, this group here is a, a little bit older than me. Okay, wait, a little bit older than Zach. <laughs> but we deal with it as we get older, the pains of life, our physical trials, our struggles, our children, they're not always going the way that we think they should. Our own problems, our addictions in life, our, our, the challenges that we have in just living the day-to-day grind that we often live is a challenge. And how does this look in people's lives? I see it as the, you know, people seeking God on their knees before the Lord uh, next to their bed. I see them... See this looking in our in God's people's lives by sitting at a desk or sitting in a chair early in the morning and just drinking in God's word for the satisfaction of of the souls. I see this as people just crying out to God, help me. I was going to preach on Psalm 13 uh, when I first started thinking about coming here, where the the, the Psalm of David has David just the first. A uh, whole strophe there is reach is crying out to God. You know, I, I'm a, I'm suffering. Why aren't you listening to me? Won't you listen to me? That type of idea. But I decided not to, to go away from that. But I see that as what we do as God's people. You know, if you're like myself and my wife, which I guess a lot of you are in our older age, you wake up at two o'clock in the morning, and maybe that's the time. Maybe that's how it looks in your life to be. Laying there in bed in the watches of the night. We'll see this later in this passage. Crying out to God. Calling on Him. Because that's where we find our true satisfaction. Let me, let me just continue to read a couple of other passages here. Psalm 27 beginning with verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. And be gracious to me and answer me. When thou didst say, seek my face. My heart said to thee, thy face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide thy face from me. Do not turn thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Do not abandon me, nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. It's just very human, isn't it? That's what 
what David did so often in the Psalms. When thou didst say to me, seek my face, my heart said to thee, thy face, O Lord, I will seek. I believe it honors God when we seek him, as we are told so many times. So I want to just talk for a moment for anybody here who may be at that point of saying, I don't know this Christ the way you're talking about. And I know that this this group has been in the church for many years, but I also know that I struggle with my faith. Zach struggles with his faith at times. We struggle with our faith and trusting in Christ. So what is our greatest need? What is our greatest need in this life is to know God. And the only way to know God is through through Christ. I love this Hebrews eleven six verse. It's just one of my favorite verses. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Another passage in Isaiah, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion. There's that idea of grace again. He will have compassion on him and our God and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. There's no greater storm really in this life and we, we can be so grateful and we come to praise God because we understand as Christians that God is the answer that, that through Christ we come to know who He is. But if you're at that point in your life where you say, I still haven't come to a place of, of trusting Christ, you, 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 you will, the, the storms are so much greater without God, aren't they, than they are with Him. And so we need to keep that in mind. Come to Christ. He is the answer for our satisfaction, the satisfaction of our souls. I think about a, when, when our daughter, Autumn, we have two sons and a daughter. Autumn was young. Uh, we lost her in the grocery store. And you can just imagine the panic, the panic of a, of a child in a grocery store without their parents. And where are they? And running around. And, of course, you can imagine the panic of the parents, too. But God doesn't have that panic. I don't think we, <laughs> we do. But, but that, that's that kind of idea of run to God. Seek for Him. When we're struggling with life, it's like, like we're lost in the grocery store as a child. It's, where is my God? And when we know that we find him in his word, we find him in prayer, we find him in worship, we find him with God's people. That's where we find our soul satisfaction. So that's the first point, really, of the sermon is just when you're struggling with those things in life, seek God. But the second one is to praise him. Starting with going back to our passage, verse two, thus I have beheld thee in the sanctuary. If you miss Sunday school, you miss uh, Michael's talk on that, but to see thy power and thy glory, because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise thee, so well I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. So there's really two aspects of praising God, isn't there? There's one where we offer our praises to God, but God has put it on our hearts to be worshipers. To, to meet our needs, part of the meeting of our needs as God's people is to, to worship. And even people who are not believers worship something, don't they? 
they find something in their lives to worship, to, to hallow, to think is this, this is the answer. But for us, we see that in God. The person who has found satisfaction in God sings about God and sings to God. The person who finds satisfaction in God talks about it, writes about it, lives it. So all of life becomes our worship to our God. Did you notice there, loving kindness is better than life. This is something for us as God's people to celebrate. The fact that God's loving kindness is our life, is better than our life. Next week I'm going to be preaching in our church back in Montrose and talking about the... uh, the parable, uh, the two, we're kind of doing the, the kingdom parables, actually just preaching through Matthew, but my passage is going to be talking about the pearl of great price. A uh, person sells all he has and he goes and he finds the, it to, to buy the pearl. And also the other one, and just like it, is he sells everything he has to, to uh, uh, buy. Oh boy, I'm forgetting what it is. I was going to say to buy the field, but that's the pearl of great price. I, I haven't studied that one yet so much. <laughs> but we give up everything. We're willing to give up everything we have. Are we? Are we willing to give up all of what we have to find this pearl of, of, of the kingdom of God? I would say so. That's part of why you're here this morning. Love that section in in, uh, Romans, for I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That brings us to, it's on the back of that board over there, Hallel, (laughs) Hallelujah, brings us to praise and worship our great God. Isn't that worth us singing about and talking about? David says, my soul is satisfied. Oh, for us to have satisfied souls. To find God, you find that deepest satisfaction. So we have seek him, praise him. And then uh, another part of what David says here is to remember him. Let's start with verse 6. When I remember thee on my bed, I meditate on thee in the night watches. There it is. When you stay awake at night, remember that passage. I meditate on thee in the night watches. For thou hast been my help. And in the shadow of thy wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to thee. Thy right hand upholds me. David lays in bed thinking about God. I don't know what kind of bed he had, but it probably wasn't as comfortable as yours or mine. But he thinks about what God has done for him. And God wants to be remembered, doesn't he? Remember when the people of Israel came across the Jordan River and they had to pile up the rocks on the other side? What did God say to them? Well, when your people, when your children ask you about these rocks, you can tell them about what I have done. He wants us to tell our children how great God is and what God has done for us. We have other things like that, don't we? The rainbow. We have the the sacraments of the Old Testament, circumcision, Passover. Those things that God gives to us to remind us of what he has done for us. In the New Testament, we have baptism and the Lord's Supper. 
I wonder about this. You know, we, we've kind of lost some of this, I think, in our society, just sitting around the table after a meal or during a meal or sitting around a fire or, or whatever. But do we ever spend time just talking to our families, to our children about the things and remember the things that God has done for us? To think back of something that happened in the, in the past. As he said, I remember when we prayed and this happened to Beth and myself. One time we were sitting outside looking for an apartment all day long. And Beth was crying. Sorry. Beth. She's crying about it. We can't find a house. It's dark. It's dingy here. It's cold in this new town. And we sat in the, in the driveway. And, and I said, let's just pray. And we prayed. And as, as I said, amen, my brother Brian came out of the house, walked over to the car, and he says, I have a home for you. <laughs> And, you know, that's, yeah, praise God, that's the thing. You know, telling those stories, I mean, we can overdo that sometimes, but I think it's important for us to remind our children of the things in this life that we have rejoiced in and enjoyed, but also to remember from the Bible what God has done. Wonderful, wonderful thing for us to do, so that we try to remember that. We think about how God has provided for us. Sometimes in our culture, we don't think about these things like food and clothes and a roof over our head. Aren't those the provisions of God for us? Our parents, our children, our spouses. God has given his best for me to serve him. But most important, we remember Christ's forgiveness. Right? Maybe not the most important, but it's way up there. (laughs) The forgiveness we have in Christ. Uh, oftentimes, and I don't know if Zach will say this when he does communion later, but take, eat, remember, and believe. So we not just remember what God has done, but we move into this last section of this of this psalm. Remember what God has done for us, but then believe. I don't know if you noticed this, probably not. As I read through the psalm, it was quite fast. But David has confidence in God, beginning with verse 9. But those who seek my life to destroy it, now notice this, will go down into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be prey for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Did you notice you think David believed in his God? He believed God? It's amazing to me that he spoke with such confidence. And I believe as Christians, we can speak with confidence, too, about what God has done. We can speak with confidence dealing with our Absaloms. We can come to a place of peace with God that transcends all understanding. Soul satisfaction, so to speak. Now, this is important. I really want to make sure that I say this. I really want to make sure that you understand this. It doesn't mean that all of our problems are going to go away. It doesn't mean all of a sudden our children are going to believe, our back pain is going to go away. It doesn't mean our finances are going to go away. Our relationship problems are necessarily going to go away. But our satisfaction is in God. 
and we trust in God. He's the point of this passage, the point of this message, that God is worthy of our trust. And that's where we truly find our satisfaction. So that if I'm dealing with a, a loss of a f- dear friend like Jim, or if I'm dealing with a back pain, I ha- I, I'm dealing with not, sleepless nights. I'm dealing with diabetes, which I have. You know, we, we deal with these things in life, and we, but when we walk with God, our souls can be satisfied regardless of the circumstances in our life. It's kind of like Jesus. He's on the, on the ship you know, or the boat, whatever it was, and the waves are crashing around and he's sleeping in the bottom of it. It's kind of like that. We, we can have peace in those storms. And I realize that's allegorizing perhaps, but uh, it's, uh, it's something we, we can do is trust in God. Charles Spurgeon said, There's no, there was no desert in his heart. He's talking about David. In this passage, there was no desert in his heart, though there is a desert around him. And I think that's the way our lives, as we struggle, we want to find ourselves seeking God. We want to find ourselves praising God. We want to find ourselves remembering what he has done. And ultimately, we want to find ourselves trusting in him. He is honored when we trust in Him. And that brings us to a deep, abiding satisfaction in our souls. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we're so grateful for Your Word. That just reminds us of we're not just walking this earth alone. We have David before us. We have Paul and Peter going before us. We have uh, of the, the church history of all that has gone before us to encourage us. We don't live this life alone. We have the people here sitting in this room that encourage us. Lord God, thank you for the people of God and for the call of for us to be a part of the people of God as we walk through this life together. Lord, help us to rest in you, to find our soul satisfaction in you. Grant us mercy, Lord, as we grieve a loss of a dear friend like Jim. Grant us mercy as we deal with the other trials of life. Lord, I pray for this congregation as it struggles through the different trials that, that this congregation has, whether it's growth as a group of people, whether it's growth as individuals, the, the different significant issues we deal with on a day-to-day uh, living. Lord, we just pray. I pray for them. I pray for, for all of us that we would continue to remember to seek you and to trust you in all of these things. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.